Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Rapcast. I'm Samson Folk. Uh, this isn't really a reaction podcast or a weekly podcast or anything like that. It's something that I did in the summer, which was talk to Ben Pfeiffer when he was going over Scotty Barnes's Montverde tape, his FSU tape, and kind of comparing and contrasting how he reached, you know, the point where he's at currently, where people think he's going to be a star in the league, rookie of the year, all that kind of stuff, and seeing how that looked via his his earlier tape. And what Ben has done is there's a video that will be linked now and in the description. He looked at Pascal Siakam's tape at New Mexico and kind of was like, how didn't we see this all-NBA player, the guy who looks like top 10 this season, currently injured, of course, but how didn't we notice these markers? How did he overcome his seeming limitations, and and how did he kind of exacerbate his already existing traits, all that kind of stuff? So Ben Pfeiffer, a human being, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, I am a human being, as, as far <laughs> as I know. So, Yeah. So, okay, first thing, Pascal Siakam, he picks up basketball late. There was a uh, a rumor going around that he was in a seminary and going to be a priest. Uh, for everyone who came to that, that's not true. He was at a seminary school that was just school for him, though. He was not <laughs> going to be a priest, but he did pick up basketball late. And I think that factors into kind of the overall discussion. I kind of want to start there. Why is picking up basketball late, in your opinion, create the kind of change the development curve and why should it create different expectations for those types of players? Yeah. I mean, one of the knocks on Pascal coming out was that he was a 22 year old sophomore, uh, which age is really important. The younger a guy is when they're producing, there's a better chance they're going to be a star. I mean, feels pretty like obvious, I guess is like the guys who dominate really young. Um, but Pascal, despite being like a 22 year old sophomore, was very new to basketball and therefore had a very delayed like development curve. So it's not like he was like some of these American high school kids where they're like in the spotlight and, and you know, since they were 13 and they've been playing their whole lives and have all that time to develop. Pascal has been made like had to make up for a lot of lost time. And he obviously has done so wonderfully um, over the last, you know, seven years or whatever. But yeah, when it comes to evaluating those guys, it's important to not, not just be like, oh, he's old. So it's not going to work out. Like, like Obi Toppin is another example who like was late. It was like late to basketball. Um, like he like didn't have his first dunk until he was like 18 or something, which is crazy. There are plenty of examples. Um, but yeah, like he like being like newer to basketball meant that he was just like further behind at that point than his like same age peers. So the developmental curve thing, the big the big deal about that is like what will develop. He's further behind, but he he's only further behind if he's going to catch up in some regards. You, right. you know what yeah. I mean? And mm-hmm. so why why would we look at a player like that or any player who comes to basketball eight as not somebody who is further behind, but somebody who is just not had that opportunity? Like if you understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean I, I think it's the same. This you know you could use the same thing if you look at like an eighteen year old with really interesting traits. 
uh, where it's like, oh, they just haven't, like, we don't think of them as, we wouldn't think of them as behind. You would just say, like, oh, they haven't developed yet. Um, but there are some really interesting things about them. Or for, like, Pascal, for example, um, we have a guy who has, like, really interesting athletic tools and some, like, really interesting scoring flashes and, like, a really interesting shot-making game. Just a very unique overall profile and way about him. Um, and it's like, if this guy is doing this, like, doing what he's doing, um, like, when he's so new to the game, like, you know, what can we get out of him when we, you know, have him learn more about basketball and fundamentals and, all, you know, all those things. So the first thing then is at New Mexico State, you kind of, you said he's a post hub. He gets, he gets like post entry passes. He works from there, can do like quick little duck ins and all that other kind of stuff. What about his game translated that didn't surprise you, first of all? Definitely the, the finishing and like the interior scoring. Um, as I kind of touched on, is it like even if it's like manifested in a different way, Pascal was an incredible finisher in college. Um, like the touch and like the twisting shots and the ability to hit shots with like both hands from different angles was great. And even if it was more like hook shots than drives, I think you definitely could have expected that to translate. Um, the question would have just been like, how does he get those shots in the NBA? Because you know you assume you're not going to run your like six nine rangey forward like off a bunch of posts up every game in the NBA. That just doesn't happen. And also, and also transition probably. Yeah, I feel like transition is a thing that's pretty like. It's like quite translatable. Um, and Pascal was always really impressive in the open floor with his speed and his fluidity and his athleticism. Um, so, yeah, those were the main things I would say, um, as well as some of the defensive playmaking stuff, uh, which obviously he has become a lot more, you know, technically sound and comfortable on defense. Um, but there were some I didn't touch on this in the video, but there were some really impressive defensive moments as well. Can you can you think of them that come to mind? Like what was he exhibiting defensively <laughs> that? You were like, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised that showed up with the Raptors. Yeah, just his ability to really be like a disruptor off the ball, which maybe he isn't doing as much anymore these days just because that's not what Toronto really asks of him. Um, but when you see him play in that like very like aggressive, lengthy scheme that bothers a lot of, you know, really, you know, really impressive offensive players, the game, you know, where they had like turned Trey over 12 times or whatever. You see him using his length and his instincts when he's making weak side rotations or when he's uh, recovering when someone else gets beat off of the drive, um, where Pascal always had a really good instinct for that um, and was always really aggressive and willing to like cover for weak spots and, in, in, you know, in the defense when help was needed or he would, you know, use go that like extra effort to to get a block on a three-point shot or something or it's like you know go for a steal uh one pass away like and pick and pick the ball and go the other way okay so outside of the post-up stuff pascal siakam burgeoning skills at new mexico what what was he asked to do outside of his role and how often was that happening so as i mentioned it was uh mostly just post like post mid post stuff was by far the most common thing he did, um, which again is really just funny to watch. Um, it's always just just a fun experience being like, this is this is not this is crazy that this guy looked like this, and this is what he did like even like seven years ago, it's a long time ago. But the the extent of the perimeter stuff would have been like like attacking off of like maybe a closeout or like attacking from like twenty two feet and taking one dribble. And then, you know, going into like a, a little floater or like a short mid-range jumper or like drawing drawing a foul or something. Or he would like get a post up 
um, in like the short corner, like the mid elbow kind of area and like, you know, face up into a jumper or he'd like drive into a post up or a, like a hook shot or something. Um, he also was a pretty, pretty good cutter as well. He didn't play off the ball a ton um, just because they like really asked him to do a lot on the ball. But there were definitely moments when he was like, he was cutting. They didn't really use him as a screener very often. They didn't really run any specific actions for him off the ball. Um, it was just like a lot of cutting, you know, smart cutting when when there were spots sliding in behind as like a two three zone, which they would face in college or something like that. So, but it was it was mostly like like true big stuff. As you say, they ask him to do a lot. They rely on him. The Raptors similar this year, the past couple of years, even even this season. You know, there, there's some tracking data that suggests that Pascal Siakam, the most efficient out of a double, was the Raptors scoring after Pascal got doubled. He's a he doesn't turn the ball over out of doubles. He always makes really great reads out of doubles, and he's able to continue to use escape dribbles, manipulate defenses further, drag guys, place passes out of the post. Was he seeing a lot of attention or was it mostly one-on-one stuff at New Mexico? It was it was mostly one-on-one, but because of how much more condensed um, like the spacing was and because of like the zone that was played, it was often like one and a half on on one. Um, but I was, I was going to say to your point, I maybe touched this a little bit, like Pascal, the passing development is also like a really significant thing that I probably wouldn't have expected. Like like you said, I think it's like Pascal isn't like the flashiest passer in the whole world and he's not like running a bunch of pick and rolls, but he's like really really solid playing off of his own like scoring gravity. Um and it's like become really difficult to like double and trap him like you said. And there really wasn't any of that, you know, basically none of that. Um as I I think I had a couple clips where like he like, you know, he was like dry he'd drive in to help and just shoot the ball anyway. Um he didn't really have any sort of feel for like where defenders were coming from and how to punish that. So like they were, they were basically starting from scratch on that, which is really cool considering that he's become so effective and it's someone who can just like, you know, seemingly quietly rack up like 10 assists in a game, just playing off of, um, you know, kickouts and passes to cutters when, you know, defense are just like terrified of him scoring on them. The big thing for Pascal that differentiates him is that he is largely a one pass away passer. And you, you talked about that scoring gravity, though, is that his scoring gravity is so massive and he can he's so comfortable operating from his own spot is that he makes one pass away more dangerous. And that's because he uses the middle of the floor as a hub where other people typically don't. And because other people get mobbed, they get a little bit uncomfortable in that space. But Pascal, with a live dribble, cannot be made uncomfortable, which means if the double comes from closest to the ball, it comes from the bottom, it comes from the top, he'll pick out that guy. And even if teams overload, as you say, maybe there was a bit of preparation for that one and a half defenders facing all those zones, Pascal gets gapped a lot of times at the NBA level. He faces one and a half, he faces two, he faces all that kind of stuff. I can't believe how good he is working out of the middle of the floor. But you're right. He's not going to make that like big bounce and then skip the ball across the floor. Not very often. He's not going to come downhill off of a pick and roll and start like throwing lobs and looking guys off and spraying to the corner. It's just he doesn't operate that way. But what in his game suggested that this guy could be truly one of the best middle of the floor hubs in the NBA? He does it different than like a Jokic. He does it different than other guys, but he, he's one of the best doing it. <laughs> um basically nothing <laughs> um i think the lesson is i don't know like if you're looking for one is that just like sometimes like 
unexpected developments happen or most of the time with with stars but what he was really good at was like that interior like middle post scoring even when like he wasn't a passer or like he wasn't able to work as someone who could really like pick apart defenses he was like I mean, as, as like the stats were like, he was an incredible short mid-range, short to mid, mid-range shooter um, on all different types of shots, whether that's like from starting with his back to the basket or, you know, with his, with him facing the basket. Um, and Pascal uh, was always someone who could like create offense out of nothing from there. Um, so it makes sense that, you know, a smart developmental team like the Raptors would, you know, see a skill set like that and be like, hey, how can we like translate this into uh, a real NBA skill. And, you know, I, I don't know if even they thought that Pascal would turn into this when they drafted him in 2016. Probably not. Um, probably <laughs> not. Um, I don't think it's necessarily about, like, seeing a prospect, especially one who's, like, raw, who was, like, pretty raw, like, in a lot of areas, like Pascal at the time, and being like, all right, we're going to draft him and we're going to, like, you know, make him into this or, like, this is what we want him to do. It's like, here's like a like these are like some some really impressive skills and traits that we noticed and like let's think about how we can you know try to help him you know maximize these or try to help him you know turn these interesting skill like interesting you know traits or flashes into like a real NBA skill kind of mentioned that a little with like his driving like there was like the really impressive like he was always like really fast um he was always able to like use his footwork at the rim and use his touch but like it's like, it's like, how can we like gel those into like a guy who can actually, you know, use those to provide value on the court. And, you know, it happened to come by way of like really impressive handling and on-ball creation and pacing and smarts, which is, I mean, a testament to his work ethic and, you know, the Raptors development and, you know, whoever was behind that. So as you said, the touch was maybe not innate, but it was there at the, mm-hmm. the collegiate level. Uh, you, you brought up like this floater that he hit or this push shot that he hit. And it, it reminded me of this left-handed fastball he threw into the rim the other night. It was just a left-handed push shot, hardly any arc to it, just bam, off the glass, hits the rim a couple times, falls in. And it's you're kind of sitting there like, how can a guy make this shot from 13 feet away? It, it's ridiculous to have that level of touch. But what he has done is develop his jump shot. You touch on this in the video is that you did like a stat query. How, how many guys had his type of jump shot profile statistically in college and then actually turned into a meaningful jump shooter at the NBA level? And you keep searching and you say, there's basically no precedent. Yeah. Can, it's you, like, can you walk me through that? Yeah, basically nobody. Um <laughs> So obviously, like shooting projection is really hard, but we can make it. There's we can make it somewhat somewhat formulaic, and we can identify trends um, that end up, you know, resulting in really good jump shooters. Like guys who shoot a lot of threes, even if they don't go in, tend to be better shooters. Or guys who take a lot of different kinds of of shots, um, you know, off the dribble, off movement, you know, in the mid range, while on the post, tend to be really good and you know guys like free throws and whatever but yeah like pascal like he, he i think he shot like 23s in college and like the the forward sized guys like i think i meant like there's basically nobody who has taken those basically shoots with no volume there are some like bigs there's some like true bigs like towns who's obviously an extreme outlier and guys like brooke lopez who is also an extreme outlier 
Um, but generally, like you got set shooters shoot. though, mostly. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. I mean, Towns obviously, you know, has some off the stuff, yeah, but still, yeah, yeah. but still, yeah, Brooke Lopez definitely. Um, but what what Pascal did have, like more than almost anyone, was that like mid range long two scoring, which is something that I found is like really impactful. Um, like classic examples are like Kawhi, who was you know not really a three point shooter, but was just like annihilating from that like long mid uh 15 foot kind of area with a bunch of different kind of shots uh chris middleton was this way jason tatum was this way but all those guys like took threes in college um like even if they weren't the same level of you know shooter that they ended up becoming in the nba um they took threes but pascal just didn't which again is remarkable that he's become a guy who not only is just like you know a good spot shooter and they're even like running him off of like like some like new like movement ATOs, which is like very cool and like based on a bounds and stuff. And someone who's like you know can shoot pull ups off the dribble. Um, like I mean, it makes sense that you see a guy shooting these kind of pull ups from 13, 14 feet um, and having really incredible success. I, I think Pascal like made like a hundred and like fifty long twos or like mid range jumpers, however they're classified in that in that year, which is like a ridiculous number. Um, for someone his size, um, like better than all of the other examples I mentioned. So I guess it's just like taking that like extreme outlier skill and being like, we have a guy who's like, obviously got like really nice touch around the rim. He's like a pretty solid free throw shooter, um, but then has this like really like incredibly diverse and surprisingly like well-refined eight to, or seven to 16 foot scoring profile. So I mean, it makes logical sense that a guy who's like really impressive at hitting these like, you know, twisting step backs from 12 feet you could say like okay let's you know over the course of you know multiple years let's work this back and back and obviously that's worked out really well so it sounds like we have an unprecedented to some degree shooting development mm-hmm. a not completely unprecedented handling development and a not completely unprecedented passing development but the combination of those three the 22 year old sophomore the 27th pick Pascal basically has a singular developmental chart in the yeah. NBA history, it there's, sounds like. There's there's really nobody like him. I mean, we were talking about like a little bit pre-show. I think like having gone back and like watching a lot of, you know, that class recently, um, I definitely think it was kind of wild that he went 27, but like I don't think it's wild that he like didn't go in the lottery. Like based on the way that I evaluate, like I I'm really like you know, I'm really big into those like kind of like, you know, creation traits. Um, and stuff like that and like functional athletic tools like I like it would have been hard to be super optimistic about the jumper long term Um, it would have been hard to really imagine him as like a real creator but it takes I think it's like impressive to the Raptors imagination which is like genuinely very important like as I mentioned like there were a lot of the fledgling kind of tools that pascal uses today to create offense like the the footwork on those little you know spins in the post or some you know quick you know handle x stride length kind of sequences um within short areas or like the really impressive like initial first step was just like either a straight line drive or a post up or whatever and i think the raptors have you know found a way to turn those into a cohesive um you know scoring creating on ball machine um, where I, I like, like I think Pascal is just like general composure is 
remarkable like he's yeah, so totally. like he's so able to like switch from his head to his post up to his footwork into dragon shit and he's just like never a guy that feels rattled which is invaluable as your like lead on ball guy for example like he still you know uses some of the things that he exhibited in college just like in a different way i mentioned like in the video his lead to power game is really impressive um like someone who is able to like get himself deep position on post outs, which is not something you really see a lot of players do. But Pascal is so good with his back to the basket, even still. Um, and, you know, working with his footwork and spinning off when you're beating a guy all the way to like six feet. Um, and if you don't want to like, you know, the help's coming and you don't want to have to rush, you know, a difficult floater or layup, you can just turn your back to the basket, take a second and score much more easily. And on most, most drivers as prolific as Pascal don't have the luxury of being able to do that. Yeah. That, that's, that's the biggest thing that why I'm now Pascal isn't the top tier number one option in the NBA. I certainly don't feel bad about him as a number one option at the NBA level. And of course, the roster construction around him matters a bunch. But as you said, and this isn't something people talk about a lot, uh, Raptors, Republic uh, readers and listeners will have heard me talk about it, but composure in the middle of the floor and the ability to truly run an offense. This is, I don't want to do the the Tatum versus Pascal thing because Tatum has different skills. They're, they're different players. They're both appearing to be top 10 this season, but Tatum is not a guy who play makes the way that Pascal does with that composure, with the hierarchical breakdown of like, I see this read, I see this read, I can work for this one, I can work for this one. He's reacting a lot and making like the simple passes. And while Pascal's reads are simple, there's a manipulation that comes before that, that I'm not saying Tatum because Tatum is bad. I'm saying that guys who are 6'8", 6'9", rarely probe, keep a live dribble comfortably like a point guard does. And that is what weaponizes Pascal so much in the middle of the floor is that that lack of or that inability to kind of fold. He's going to remain upright. He's going to keep his live dribble. He's going to continue to probe going further. That right. is and it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's taken him a long time to get there. Yep. Um, I think something like I talk about is like guy being like a primary like scorer versus like your primary like decision maker. I think of someone like I don't know, like like Anthony Edwards maybe who like I think projects as like a potential guy who can like you know be like the the number one like points leader like the guy who scores the points on the team in year five but right but like to me not someone you want running your offense or you know being the one who not necessarily like the one who brings the ball down the floor but the one who um begins possessions and makes decisions and um, like primary decision maker, you know, like like getting older, Chris Paul, someone who like as long as he hoops is going to be a you know someone who can just um, like masterfully orchestrate offense, but maybe won't be able to score. Uh, I think Pascal is like a preach, uh, like definitely approaching the tier of both, which is mm-hmm. where you get Luca and LeBron and you know Steph or um, just like the most overwhelming guys in the league. So it's 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 like beyond impressive what he's done. And I, I'm you know how high I, like I have also so high on Pascal have been, and I'm glad to see him you know making this leap because he's he's so good. So the unique movement skills, if we can just as like a final thing, how do you how do you parse that out at, at New Mexico? Because not only is it impressive, you talk about like the the speed to power which we see show up that manifests in his isolation game now. And the way that he can punch a gap, all that kind of stuff. That's so important. But he moves differently 
than a lot of other people who achieve things at the NBA level. Like it's, it's a, it's a different type of kind of jettisoning himself around the court and is, is, are his movement patterns different now than they were at New Mexico or has he weaponized like this unique movement pattern? Yeah, I think they're just like generally more refined. It's not super often that guys make like big overarching changes to the way that they move. Um, that's kind of like, I mean, like, I guess like it's kind of like feels like self-explanatory. That's like pretty inherent. Um, so just like a way someone's body is. Um, that's part of why I like am so like high on valuing those like really impressive movement traits, even if they aren't at the time, um, you know, real like basketball value adds. Whereas like Pascal had like the speed and you know his flexibility was always so impressive like his ability to like get low to the ground and lower his shoulder um beneath like a defender like a like a defensive end like going around like the edge of a tackle um like getting low and getting around the defender he was able to do that in the post and like use his long strides like spin around and like post you know spin inside in the post and obviously in transition so it's like it's stuff like that. You just notice like a guy at that size who's like this guy doesn't move normally, or like um, most players at six nine. They're just more. They're less stiff. They're more fluid. They're faster. They're more creative in the way that they can get around the floor. I think it's just the the onus of whatever team is identifying that to say, all right, like how can we you know add the the basketball skills and the mental side of the game to turn those movement abilities into uh, stuff that really adds value on the basketball court. And there really are a few better examples of this than Siakam, honestly, that I can think of. I've seen like Giannis as someone like talked about like this, like someone who like, you know, was like super raw and turned this into, well, there's like truth to that. Um, Like Giannis was like, as like an 18 year old was like, way more advanced than 22-year-old mm-hmm. Pascal as a handler and a passer um, and a driver. Um, like, he was really skilled. But Pascal, um, when it came to, like, actual creation, like, not just his scoring, was, like, really bare bones. Um, so it's it's cool to see that, like, he's been able to, you know, this is the foundation. It's like you have a guy who, you know, if he could do all this stuff, like, if he could handle it, and if he could make decisions, and if he could do this and that, then he'd be fine. And for most players, you know, that's just an if, but... Uh, obviously Pascal is one of the rare ones who, you know, over the course of you know, seven or eight years in the league has um, been developed and has worked to develop himself into this like incredible player. So this is, I love talking about this stuff because this is part of this is why I've been saying, I like, I don't want to shun OG's creation possessions yet. And I want him to to put the ball down instead of just shooting threes and that kind of stuff is you say stride length and people are listening a lot of times we don't talk about stride length or how high a guy's shoulders sit on his frame, but like the length of your legs, uh, not just wingspan, but your proportions create advantages. And so like if you're playing pickup and there's this guy who, you know, let's say the guy, girl, whoever you're playing and they profile similarly to you, but they keep getting that edge. Sometimes genuinely that is a, that is the, the length of the stride. If they, when you try and score on them, have that little extra thing, you guys might be the same height. Their shoulders might sit a little bit higher on their frame and they might have right. that little extra standing reach. And it's like the guys, Pascal, with, with like that 7'3 wingspan, with that super functional flexibility, speed, length, mm-hmm. both in the stride and the reach is just 
when right. he's in the mixer and when he and another player are both like exerting their bodies to try and, you know, he's trying to beat a guy to the glass off the spin or a guy's trying to beat him to the side. It's like that core coverage, all this stuff pops up immediately. And like right. it helps. There's it helps a reason he him. always wins. Like, yes. Like, I think it's like, again, identifying even if those like traits, the, the golden thing is like, you know, guys who are able to, the prospects, I guess specifically, who are able to like have those traits and use them functionally already. Like, e- even if you have guys like Pascal, who, you know, at, at the time of the draft or when he was in college aren't necessarily there yet. Um, I think it's definitely reasonable to be like, like, hey, like, I see him like taking two steps and getting all the way to the rim. Like, we can definitely teach him how to, you know, condense these steps or where to place them to actually like get around his defender really easily and not just run straight through them um sort of something like that yeah yeah it's it always fascinates me because truth truthfully you don't want to analyze basketball every game you watch to that and be like he won this possession because of this like there's things there's developments everybody makes but it's truly at the highest level when you're competing unique movement patterns like pascal has means that players who are defending him have a tougher time picking up what he wants to do because he doesn't move similar to other NBA players. His tells are different. He's mm-hmm. longer. He gets to spots quicker. It's just like a guy who had those inherent athletic advantages and then pulled all of his skill to the forefront with like a mm-hmm. ton of work and development to start weaponizing everything into the right. point that he's a completely singular and unique NBA presence. I think you you mentioned like OG and while well, like OG is obviously like a crazy athlete. Um, I think his just general like movement profile is like a bit more normal. Um, like his like real athletic overwhelming points are like things that you see. Um, like he's like incredibly strong and good at you know using that strength to get to his spots and really fast and has the the ability to like get low. But like it's it's in like a package that. It's just like more common throughout current and like historical NBA that players are just like more. Like, I think, like as you said, players are just like more used to. And like OG is an incredible athlete, but not necessarily as unique as Pascal in, in the way that their their complexion is. Um, you know, we 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 see players like OG in our practice, like you know, facsimiles of like OJ of, of like OG in our practice squad. Um, or whatever and we can practice like the same way that like NFL teams will like sign some like bad mobile quarterback to you know simulate Lamar Jackson um or like you can't really do that for Pascal um yeah like like you can't you, you can't approximate that like you can't get someone to approximate that um and I think that's just a really valuable kind of micro thing is that is to be like someone you can't um you can't prepare for until you're right there you know that's that seems like a great place to end it because as we've seen, <laughs> Pascal, despite having you know pretty poor spacing over the past year of basketball, despite being a guy who has had his own limitations, has overcome by having more counters than the defense can throw at him, and being a guy that other teams, despite doubling, despite shading heavily, pack line defense, all that kind of stuff, have not been able to prepare for uh, enough to stop him. Ben. Thank you for coming on. If I can suggest anybody, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, go to Ben Pfeiffer's channel on YouTube. It'll be linked, all that kind of stuff. You can watch him talk about, hey, wow, this is what Giannis looked like in Greece, and this is how it manifested into the player that he is. You can watch him talk about Scotty Barnes. You can watch him talk about recently, you know, Pascal, guys, and, and Matherin for any Canadian fans as well. So just <laughs> Ben does Ben does like an awesome Matherin, job. Shea, Shea. Yes. 
I'm 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 kind of in my pandering era right now. I'm I, yeah. I, I almost put on my Raptor shirt before I woke up, but I was like <laughs> exactly trying to trying to get the people north of the border. But if I can just say for for the listener, for the viewer, basically it's Ben who has like a you know a history and a current history with with scouting, walking through tape and telling you what's important and and why. And that's a really cool thing to watch somebody just kind of do, especially if you if you trust that their their eye test is is doing some some decent work. So Ben, thank you for coming on, man. Of course, it's it's always a pleasure. Um, I'm excited to do this again when I eventually um, do 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 more Raptors pandering in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see OG, please. Uh, our our mutual okay. friend PD always talks about how interesting he was at Indiana. He was, uh, yeah, he was like another guy who was like very like limited in his skills. Um, and then I'm just also, the day one, good three point shooter, which is kind of nuts uh, at the NBA uh, level. I'm I'm a longtime uh, Coloco appreciator too, um, so I'm Hell glad yeah. to see him having a role and you know doing some things uh, early because um, he was always like even when he was like just giant and like literally couldn't catch a basketball um, when he was like a freshman at Arizona he was always he was always fun. Um, I, I remember like like this is like a really random highlight. But like obviously, like like Coloco like isn't a passer. Like I don't know if he's made like a pass this year. <laughs> um, yeah, not really. But he has one of like like the most ridiculous like behind the back passes like I can remember. Um, like as like a freshman in college, and I was like, what is this guy on? And ever since then, I'm like, he's he's really cool. So I'm glad he's he's thriving. It's it's nice that for a lot of people, it just takes one play to pique your interest. And you're like, I'm watching. It, it really does. Guy. It really does. It's like yeah. it's like oh like. Okay, I'm keeping tabs now. Like, like Hamadou Diallo, get being six foot what five and having a standstill dunker spot poster on a big man is just you kind of sit back and say, why can a six five guy do this to a big man from a standstill? And then mm. you you keep watching. But Ben, thanks for coming on, man. Listener, uh, viewer, thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe over at RaptorsRepublic.com for all my written work, among other writers. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to keep up. And podcast listener, thanks for letting us talk to you all day. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you.